Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another new episode of Undying Light. I'm your host, Pastor Alex, and once again, we've got another new episode for you, continuing our journey through the Gospel of Matthew. This week, we will begin with the ninth verse and look at Jesus calling Matthew, and then if time allows, we will have a question about fasting, taking us verses 14 through 17. Now, I'm not going to give you guys any of the commercials. I've recorded a, a little piece at the end that will kind of sit on the back end of the show, and that's where I'll do all that. So I won't have to bore you guys with any of this. But I do want to make you aware that we are doing a private exclusive series for patrons on the book of Genesis. So if that interests you, check out the show notes and let me know. But that's all I'm going to say on it. Uh, We are working on some other stuff for the public release. Um, This summer I would like to do a series on parenting and uh, and raising children, things like that. I want to dig into that concept and what it looks like from a biblical perspective and how Lutherans address these uh, issues, especially with a world that's so incredibly evil. So we'll look at that this summer. Those are things that I'm working on. But until then, we will continue our journey in the book of Matthew. And uh, like I said, we've been working through a whole plethora of scripture and watching uh, Jesus perform miracles. We've gone through the Sermon on the Mount and we've done uh, a whole plethora of things. But now we get to where Matthew is being called. So let's begin with the ninth verse of chapter nine. As Jesus pressed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in his house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous but sinners. 
So that's what our focal point for this show will be. And like I said, if we have time, we'll talk about fasting. Otherwise, we'll save it for next week. So um, we'll, we'll kind of see where our time allows us to get to because I, I, I'm really at a point I don't want to rush the show. But if, you know, if we get through a section and it's 20 minutes long, then, hey, let's go ahead and cap it here because I don't want to spend uh, 10 minutes on the next section when I could spend 15 or so, you know, and, and uh, you know, on next week's episode, if you would. So let us focus on the calling of Matthew. He's also called Levi. He's one of the 12 apostles. We should know that. He also is the author of the book that we're reading. So that's another, you know, kind of uh, feather in the cap here. Uh, he's a tax collector. Uh, he's probably sitting on the border between territories of Philip and Herod Antipas's regions, uh, where commercial tolls were often levied. Matthew's administrative occupation likely helped prepare him for writing this gospel. And then the notion of follow me, again, this is a means by which Jesus is extending uh, this free gift of mercy to these men who were called. Uh, but it is interesting in contrast to those who volunteered to follow Jesus. If we go back and look at chapter uh, 8 and look at verses 19 through 22, when these men were, were volunteering and how they, you know, were telling Jesus, oh, let me go do these things first, uh, and then I'll come follow you. And here, Jesus is extending this invitation to Matthew, and Matthew is rising and following him without any sort of comments or any sort of, you know, oh, well, let me go and wrap up my day's work and let me turn in all my money. But no, he just gets up and follows him because he consents and and again this is a little bit on the speculative end but you know when these men followed jesus whether it was the fishermen or matthew here they rise and immediately follow based upon jesus's call was there some sort of drawing from christ to them you know the holy spirit is urging these men to follow jesus i wouldn't be shocked to say that that was some sort of truth then we get to verse 10 and uh Jesus is reclining at a table in the house. Uh, this is, again, another um, note to how people in this time period had taught and, and, and congregated. They would generally lay on their sides and uh, do this around a table, and there would be no chairs in a you know, kitchen table like we have today, but they'd have like a little raised platform, and everybody would lay around it, and they would eat and discuss and talk and and you know relax and things like that because uh, that's how reclining at the table would be addressed jesus is laying on his side he's talking to these people uh, the house in question more than likely is matthew's house as luke indicates in 529 this is what luke writes in and levi made him a great feast in his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them so connecting the two pieces, we know that Jesus is at Matthew's house and there are many people who have now come. And these are uh, the disreputable people. These are sinners. These are people who society despises. These are also people who the Pharisees despise and they do not like. So it is interesting to see that there is no uh, questioning from Jesus on this. He's opening and beckoning all of these folk to come and 
uh, sit with him. And so it's an interesting concept here that the Pharisees are going to try and pick apart. But here in verse 10, we know that Jesus is at this table in Matthew's house. He's relaxing and he's um, conversing and talking, teaching perhaps. You know, we don't really get a lot of what's going on here. But we know that he's reclining with uh, tax collectors and other sinners who would come. And so the Pharisees who have witnessed this, again, we can go back to uh, Mark chapter 2 and look at verse 18, for instance. This is a question about fasting. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but but your disciples do not fast? So the Pharisees, and this is the note on that verse, uh, the originally the name of this party meant the separate ones. What separated the Pharisees from the other Jews was their rigorous interpretations and strict observance to the Jewish law. Uh, Pharisees fasted twice weekly on the second and fifth days of the week, according to the diactic. Uh, this went far beyond the required annual feast uh, or annual fast, the affliction on the Day of Atonement. Uh, as mentioned in Leviticus chapter 23 and Acts 27, and the few uh, mentioned in Zechariah 8.19. Fasting, therefore, was an important aspect of the Pharisees' ritual and observance. And so the Pharisees are, again, uh, trying to pick apart the ministry of Jesus. The intent behind their question was to find fault with Christ, something they will do increasingly throughout this book. Uh, Mark makes a really good re- recording of how the Pharisees really seem to elevate their distaste for Jesus and his gospel. So they are grumbling to uh, his disciples, to the disciples of Jesus. Why does your teacher, your teacher, eat with tax collectors and sinners? So without the disciples actually providing a response, it's Jesus who steps in. In verse 12, but when he heard it, he said... Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came to call the righteous, but not to call the righteous, but sinners. So we'll look at verses 12 and 13 separately here. Uh, In verse 12, it's very simple, straightforward. Jesus is the sinner's doctor. He came for those who are in need of a physician. We don't want to make sin... Uh, watered down to the concept of it being like an illness or something that can just be remedied away with uh, good clean water and uh, you know some good sleep. That's not how sin is 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 remedied. It's not how it's cured or flushed out of our system. In fact, you will continue to be sinful until the moment you die, because this body, this flesh, was created in sin, and you now carry that burden of sin with you throughout your life. However, when you die, you, your soul, your spirit has been made new. You have been created as a new creation in Christ. You have been washed clean. You have been washed with the uh, waters of baptism as Jesus does so. And, and Paul writes in uh, Ephesians 5.25 and Paul writes again in Romans 6. We've been washed and cleaned and cleansed and we are no longer sinners. That is what Christ has, uh, has done for us. But here's the interesting note here that we will kind of unpack. Those who are are well have no need of a physician. Those who are self-righteous, 
Those who think that their good works will get them to heaven. Those who think that their obedience to some sort of law or to whatever God they want to hold on to, whatever they think is going to earn them to heaven, they are those who Jesus is saying have no need of a physician because you can't convince them otherwise. That's not to say that all people in that in that realm are are unreachable because there certainly are. But what Jesus is saying is just more of a broad stroke that those who are good have no need for a physician. If you're healthy and your 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 weight's maintained, you've got good teeth, you've got good hair, you've got good, you know, muscle de- definition, you eat healthy, why would you need to go to a doctor? Now, you can go to the doctor for routine checkups and things like that, but you don't go to the doctor because you have an ailment. But now those who are, are unhealthy and, and eat in a, in a poor manner and do not exercise and, um, you know, may not take care of their teeth. And I say that cause I just went to the dentist yesterday, but you know, when you don't take care of yourself, then you are in need of a doctor, somebody to get you back on that path. But that's also a very different thing than what Jesus is saying here. He's just using this as an allegory to describe the importance of the sinners and tax collectors needing to hear what he was saying to them. The Pharisees would have been those who were in need of no physician. They were the healthy ones. They were the self-righteous and pompous, perfect, everything is great lifestyle. They are obedient to the Jewish law. They had no need for a savior. But these sinners and these tax collectors recognize their sin. And I think the analogy is really well played out with uh, the Gospel of Luke. And I forget the passage off the top of my head, but so when the uh, Pharisee goes into the temple and the tax collector goes in behind him, the Pharisee goes up to the altar and, you know, offers the sacrifice. And he says, thank you, Lord, for not making me like this tax collector. And he turns back and, you know, points to the tax collector. And the tax collector <laughs> responds with, thank you, Lord, uh, for being, or Lord, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And he's beating his chest. There's a difference here. The self-righteous do not need a savior. Those who are sick and understand their sin are in need of a savior. So that is why he's making that statement. Then he's saying, go and learn what this means. Uh, Jesus is telling uh, the Pharisees who were proud of their knowledge of scripture to go back to school. They have failed to see that mercy was the point of God's work. Mercy, not sacrifice. Hosea condemned Israel for supposing that God desired obedience to ritual laws and sacrifice more than the practice of mercy. The Pharisees were equally guilty of this sin. Uh, and then we go on. There's even a note here from 1 Samuel 15, but we'll move on past that. Uh, the righteous, but uh, didn't call the righteous, but sinners. They, those were proud of their own righteousness will not respond positively when Jesus calls them sinners. And that is the reality that we face in the world today. Those who are uh, self-righteous and pompous, and they think that they've got it all figured out, they uh, will will really balk at the idea uh, that they're sinners and that Jesus is calling them to repent. And so this is an interesting note. And I would even say that in the Christian church, in the especially in the West, we deal with that. Big mega churches and big famous pastors, all of these people who you know demand large salaries, they're self-righteous. They think that they're doing the Lord's work. And if you just watch some of these videos, it's sickening at how terrible their teachings and theology is. And 
this is kind of a perfect example of how this particular verse, or these couple of verses here, separate the sheep and the goats. There will always be those in, in the camp that they are self-righteous and they've earned and worked towards that measure and they're obedient in whatever law they wanted to confine themselves to and they have no need for you know a, a physician they they are the righteous in their own mind they think that they're righteous and instead they want to offer up more sacrifices and and you know whether it could be a whole plethora of things on uh, what Jesus is you know calling here as a sacrifice whether it's grain offerings or fruit offerings or they may even and especially in the western church in the prosperity gospel demand you to bring a sacrifice of money to the quote-unquote altar so that pastor can live a more lavish lifestyle. And this is just the general construct to the church in the West. It's support the church, bring your money, sacrifice what you can. And it's interesting that it's kind of shifted from the Pharisees performing the sacrifices now to the congregation being the ones that have to sacrifice while the, the preacher travels in you know, multi-million dollar jets, private jets on private airstrips and stays in five-star hotels and, uh, you know, travels the world and, and eats exquisite foods and all this stuff. And, I, you know, Costi Hen did a really good breakdown in his book of, you know, when he was in his uh, uncle's ministry. And he talks about how, like, his, uh, you know, his undershirt was, like, you know, hundreds of dollars, you know, and his whole outfit would have been, you know, over, you know, over thousands of dollars. And he drive, you know, drove a hundred thousand dollar plus vehicle, and he, you know, stayed in all these lavish hotels, and that. That's what these ministries are purchasing for these preachers, and so it's not necessarily anymore the sacrifice of the preacher, it's the sacrifice of the congregation to make that preacher, you know, live a comfortable lifestyle, which is again going against what we are learning in Scripture. So, uh, it's an interesting note here that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. Um, and it may not even shock uh, Bible readers today. We think of him as a friend of sinners, but it is shocking to most first century Jews that Jesus would practice the table fellowship with such people. Jesus is unlike any other Jewish rabbi, and this festival banquet of his opportunity to call faithful people who are conscious of their unrighteousness. Jesus sits with them not because they are worthy, but because he is merciful. He wants sinners included in his kingdom. We should also make a note that Jesus here is not uh, condoning the sin. He's not saying you can continue to do this. He's not saying that it's okay that you live in this lifestyle. He is more than likely teaching them the, the ways of the kingdom of heaven, calling them for repentance, giving them faith to relinquish their sins and turn to him for mercy. As he makes that statement, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So let's carry on here. We're going to look at the question about fasting and see how we get through time-wise. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your own disciples do not fast? So we just asked that question a few minutes ago. And then Jesus said to him, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. No one puts a piece of unstrunk cloth in an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment. And a worse tear is made. Neither is a new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine spilt and the skins are destroyed. But the new wine is put into fresh wineskins. And so both are preserved. 
so that is this little notion on um, fasting. A interesting uh, note that is being given here um, because John is in prison, as we noted back in verse uh, 12 of chapter 4, but he still has disciples, and they're disciples of John, right? It says that in verse 14. And Matthew's f- banquet here may have prompted this question. So we would assert that this is a continual time stream um, between Jesus calling Matthew and then going to his house and partaking in this this banquet or this dinner, and then this question of fasting arises. So when John's disciples are present, are are they present with Jesus and following him, or do they show up later? That's nah, not really spoken of, but we just know uh, they, they came to him saying, why do we, referring to the disciples of John, and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And so Jesus gives us this illustration um, here in two short parables, both of which are communicated that someone new is here. Jesus compared his ministry to the unshrunk or a new cloth and a new wine. His gospel message tore away and burst the old traditions and practices about fasting and table fellowship. The wineskins are uh, goat skin bags that, when new, could uh, withhold the pressure of fermenting wine. So that's what wineskins are. It's just a goat skin bag. And, and they had to be new in order for the wine not to leak or burst out through the seams. And so Jesus is comparing himself here in these two parables of the unshrunk cloth and the wineskin that he is the new cloth and the new wineskin. He's the, he the new everything. And so he's saying here, that fasting is no longer, you know, a requirement or a, a marker of discipleship or obedience. He's not saying that fasting shouldn't be done because we, we will see throughout the rest of the New Testament how fasting and prayer are always connected. And fasting isn't something that will lead one to some sort of level of self-righteousness, but it is one that can lead people to the understanding of their sinful nature. With uh, sin being present in the people's minds, fasting is a manner to which you can turn from you know a particular sin. You can go into the kind of a state of mourning, if you would. Blessed are those that mourn. You can go into a state of mourning and uh, fight against the sin that is creeping into your world. And you do so through prayer, supplication. You do it through prayer and fasting. You do it through this continual battle with you and the flesh, and you are crying out to God on a continual basis. Fasting can come in different things. It doesn't always have to be from food, but that's generally what it was entitled to was, was food in this time period. They would refrain from eating, and they would usually not eat from sunrise to sunset, and then after sunset they would eat uh, some food, and then that would take them through the night. Other fastings can be a prolonged period. It could be two or three or four days of no food whatsoever. Fasting could be, uh, you know, a 12 or 16 hour fast every day. It could be twice a week. You could do a 24 hour fast twice a week. I mean, there's different things that we can do and we would still quote unquote be fasting. And in fact, the new thing, if you want to use air quotes here, uh, in the fitness industry is, is, uh, intermediate fasting. So you, you fast five or six days a week for 16 or 20 hours. And then on one of the days you fast for 24 hours. And 
that is supposed to quote unquote help jumpstart your metabolism and they do it for health benefits and things like that. And fasting is a good thing. It's, it's, there's a lot of reports and studies that show that it has benefits to the person. And it's not just a, you know, physical benefit that fasting can give us, but a spiritual benefit as well. If we commit ourselves to prayer and fasting, that is, you know, a, a, a finally accepted position from Christ. But what he's saying here is that Jesus is with his disciples. And so his disciples don't have to fast. When we are with Christ in heaven, we don't have to fast. He is present among us. He is the new everything. He is the new standard. He has obliterated all these old traditions and practices. And so now the need for fasting while Jesus is present isn't there. There's no heightened view on it. Once Jesus ascends back to the Father, then there will be a, a, a need for fasting and waiting for Christ to return. And again, fasting can come in different you know, layers or levels, if you would. The most common one was sunrise to sunset for one or two days during the week. And they would fast and refrain from eating. And they would use this as a marker of obedience or righteousness to show others how righteous they are. Remember going back to Matthew chapter 6 and we would venture into that notion of being like the hypocrites who... Um, who make it known and they put disgruntled looks on their face because they're fasting and they're angry. But Jesus tells us to put oil on our head and, and wash our faces and go about our fasting without grumble or being like the hypocrites. So if you fast, do it for the righteous means that Christ is calling you to fast. Do it so that you can deepen your prayer life with him. It has nothing to do with you having to set some sort of, you know, obstacle or, or even level of obedience to it. You don't have to do this in order to obtain favor from God. Fasting is just a measure by which it helps us to understand and even uh, walk away from our sin. So we have noticed the depths that our sin has caused ourselves and the people around us. And so we uh, turn to fasting and prayer. And uh, Job makes a great example, or not Job, but Jonah, makes a great example of this when he goes into Nineveh and he preaches to the king in Nineveh and uh, he, he, you know, repents and he uh, goes on to wear sackcloth and ash. He pours ash on himself and he uh, con uh, continues to fast. And that is, you know, one of those things that are often talked about is, you know, fasting with sackcloth and ash, you know, that, that you don't have to make an outward demonstration that you're fasting. But this, in uh, in the sense of Jonah, was such a dramatic change of life that it had to be displayed for others to see and to do. In today's culture, we are not like these. We're not like them, but we are not also like the hypocrites to the other spectrum, because we're not a part of Nineveh for one, and two, we're not like these hypocrites who like to go around and showcase and and juggle for everybody's pleasure. We are. Christians who are seeking the righteousness of Christ. And that is the whole premise to our message. And so that is where we will leave. Um, fasting, again, is an interesting topic. And I've heard, you know, a whole spectrum of people talk about it. But I think if we keep it simple, it's easy for you to understand it. It is not a requirement from Christians to fast. If you, uh, there, there are people who are diabetic who can't possibly do it. 
and that is perfectly fine. But what fasting gives us is a deeper spiritual connection through prayer and understanding of our sinful life. But fasting can, and as I mentioned earlier, can be done in different measures. It can be done in just food. It can be done in, you know, fasting from sugar. It can be, you know, types of foods. It can be sugar, carbs. Uh, it can be these things. It can be, you know, fasting from even, you know, social media. Uh, you could fast from, you know, anything. It's, it is the reduction of something that has been significant in your life. So social media, the internet, uh, it could be, you know, hanging out with certain friends, you can really start to push yourself away from all that stuff when you decide that the means of Christ are more important for it, you know, is connecting back to the text that we just talked about that he desires mercy, not sacrifice. He came to call not the righteous, but the sinner. So we're going to be a short episode this week. That's totally fine. Again, no commercials in the front of it. And, uh, there'll be after the music at the end. So if you want to listen to the music and listen to the little commercial then thank you but you don't have to uh, i'm just going to do that as a means of thanking you as a listener and uh, hopefully keeping the revamping of this show going forward that it is a measure to which um, we can continue bringing you this message week in and week out so uh, i got some great ideas for other books and i hope and pray that um the one I'm currently working on will get finished and, and whether we self publish or go through a publisher, uh, one of those two will happen. And, uh, I've got some other ideas for books. So I'm pretty excited about that. And we will uh, continue to release information, uh, as things develop. So that's that ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a great week and, uh, it is Friday by the time the show drops. So make sure you're in church. It is going to be the last Sunday in April. So we are going to not have communion in our church, but we will have it on the first Sunday in May. So I'm pretty excited for that Sunday. I love communion. It's the best part of the church, in my opinion, being able to uh, break bread and wine and hand out the body of Christ to believers. So get into church and uh, enjoy the wonderful weather. Spring kicks on here in the United States. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great week. God bless. guys thanks for tuning into this episode of undying light if you did enjoy this episode then consider joining us on patreon for as little as a dollar a month that means one dollar per month will get you access to everything that we do behind the scenes that includes early releases podcast episodes bonus episodes that will never be released to the public teaching videos bible studies sermon notes, and anything else that may arise during the time, as well as early access to my book. That also entails that if you are a patron, when I complete the book, you will get a free copy of that said book. So that is just a few of the things that we do here at Undying Light, and we would greatly appreciate it if you come and join this community. You'd have access to our chat groups on Instagram 
and our Discord channel where we keep everybody up to date and have wonderful conversations spanning the plethora of information. So $1 a month gets you full access to all of that. You can buy a whole year up front and get access for just about $10 and change, and that gives you 12 months uninterrupted access to Undying Light. The other promo I would like to share with you is Logos.com. You can get yourself a copy of this wonderful Bible software. You can download it free and uh, go in and just choose and purchase the books that you want, uh, whether you want a study Bible or just a couple commentaries. But the app itself is a wonderful program and allows me to quickly move through content without holding me up. I can search and find all of the available resources in my library that talk about whatever topic that I'm covering and I can draw from it and I can read through it and I can have all of it right in front of me. In fact, as I'm recording this, I have my study Bible open with my ESV Bible open and generally I'll have the Book of Concord open and probably some of Luther's lectures or his uh, commentaries or anything else that he may have written, maybe even sermon notes, things like that up on the screen. Those tools are wonderful in helping you study. On top of all that, this is not an app just for theologians and pastors, but it can be used for anybody and everybody at any walk in their life. Wherever you are in your walk with Christ, this app can help benefit you. So logos.com forward slash undying light. You'll get yourself some discounts on packages where it will come designed to your specific denominational view. If you're Lutheran, you can get the Lutheran package. If you're Baptist or Reformed or Calvinist or Anglican or Catholic, or Jewish, you can get all of those packages at a discounted rate through that link. So you can find all that information in the show notes, as well as anything that pertains to fitness and health, as that is another mantra to my life. And if you have any questions on that, feel free to DM me. So thanks again, guys. Have a great day. God bless. We'll see you later. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.